you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So we started our sermon series in Galatians last week and Pastor Hiru gave us some background on the letter to the Galatians and we looked at the first five verses together on Paul's greeting to the church. But what's different from all of Paul's other letters is what happens next. When he starts his other letters, he usually follows his greeting by praying or praising or um, he usually... Uh, thanks God for them as a, as a church in his letter. If you have time this week, then I encourage you to open up the New Testament, have a look at some of Paul's letters, and see how he starts them, see how he writes to the different churches. You'll find out a bit about um, how he feels about the, the church and how he, feels about, um, how he feels about them by how he greets them. But with this specific letter... Paul really seems to be on a mission to get his point across. There is an urgency to what he wants to say to the Galatians. And if they didn't get the point from his greeting in the first five verses that we had last week, then they're about to realize now what Paul is writing about. Oh, sorry, it's here. The clicker. <laughs> Thank you. I'm astonished, he says in verse 6, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. There's no messing around here. Paul gets straight to the point. He's astonished that they are turning so quickly away from him because by turning away from him, they're actually turning away from Christ who sent him. It's not that they're deserting Paul, but they are deserting Christ himself, who sent Paul to tell them the good news. And Paul is astonished because it's actually like deserting a five-star restaurant to go outside and drink from a dirty puddle. That's what it's like to leave the grace of Christ and to try and add anything else to it. The Greek word for deserting is metatithemi, I think that's how it's pronounced, and it means to transfer one's allegiance. It's used of soldiers in the army who revolt or desert, and the men who change sides in politics and philosophy. Imagine that you are a soldier in a battle, and your side is winning. 
you're overcoming the enemy and you're just about to finally defeat them. You're overcoming them and suddenly the soldier next to you, your friend, suddenly turns away and runs. He just deserts. Just imagine how you'd feel. What would be going through your head? You'd just have open-mouthed astonishment. What are you doing? We've almost won. And it's with this kind of open-mouthed astonishment that we can imagine Paul having as he thinks and writes these words to the Galatians. Verse 6, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Paul understands that as a Christian, you live in the grace of Christ. It's what our hope is in. That reliance on Christ's sacrifice for us, in dying on the cross and being raised up from the dead by God as evidence, that is the real good news. But means that we are right with God if we trust in God and remain in his grace. And as soon as you add something to that, you have a different gospel which is mentioned here. The thing is, there are many things about the gospel that we trust in. The gospel itself means good news, an all-encompassing thing that means that we live in Christ's grace. It is that he's done it all. He's done it all for us. And we're not perfect. One day, because of him, we will be. But we are not perfect yet. And we never will be on our own. No matter how many new self-help books come out and become bestsellers, they cannot deal with the sin in the human heart. But Christ has dealt with it, hasn't he? Christ has done it all for us. But here's the thing. As soon as you add something to that, you're saying that Christ hasn't done it all for us. As soon as you add something to the good news, you're taking away the very nature of the good news. Christ himself. And that leaves you with no good news. Just very bad news. Which is why Paul says it's no gospel at all at the start of verse 7. It's no good news at all. Anything that you add to the gospel takes away from Christ's perfect grace. And evidently, people are trying here to pervert the gospel. In this case, in Galatia, it's the Judaizers, which you'll hear more about over the next couple of weeks as we go through the series in Galatians. But here is the warning for the church. The biggest troublemakers in the church throughout history have never been those outside throwing insults who oppose and persecute the church, but those who are inside the church who are trying to change the gospel. And that's why one thing we try to encourage you as a church to do is to have your Bibles open when we look at a passage together so that you can see God's word with your own eyes so that you can process it with your own mind, so that you know God's word well, so that you, you can just read it and, and know the gospel, and so that you'll never just get lazy and start listening to only Hebrews or my or anyone else's interpretation 
of the passage that you have before you that you can look at for yourself. Now, I'm not trying to trick you. I hope that I always solely rely on Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. And because I feel I know the gospel well and know Christ personally, I can't ever imagine myself ever relying on anything else. But it's not just about me. It's not just about Pastor Hebrew and how well we know the gospel. It's about you as a church. How well do you know the gospel? How well do you know as individuals? Are you living it out and reminding each other day by day? And again, this is one reason why we have links to share. It's a great opportunity to have, um, have that time and remind um, each other of the gospel as a group. One reason we have links to share and remind each other of the, of the gospel. Pastor Hewu can't go around everyone in the church each week and remind everyone of the same, the same message because their, life, uh, their personal life situations are different and the church is so big. So, I mean, he could try and do that on the way out. He could shake hands and try and see people and listen to everyone's stories, but there's just not enough time. There's not enough, not enough time in the week for him to do that. And a lot of people would probably sneak past him. And actually, if he did um, try and remind everyone of the gospel, it would probably be really mechanical and he'd probably just laugh because he'd be like, remember the gospel, remember the gospel, remember the gospel. You'd just laugh your way out. Um, but the thing is to remember, if you're not in a links group today then, there are cards at the back. Please fill them in, sign up. And members, if you're having coffee afterwards and see someone new, go and chat with them. You don't know, they might live nearby and they might end up in your links group. So look out for each other. And uh, we will see at the family service in a few weeks' time at the end of the month that anyone can forget the gospel. It's not just something that um, some people or new Christians forget. It's, it's actually anyone who can forget the good news. So we need to help each other out. And I'm sure that many of you here actually know um, of somebody or yeah, actually know someone personally who's left their faith because they've forgotten the gospel because um, or because something was added to the gospel and so it lost its appeal and this is what Paul is saying here would lead them to desert Christ also then when we tell friends um, the gospel who aren't believers when we evangelize with them or our family or even to complete strangers there are many temptations to add things to the gospel aren't there to make it nice and fluffy Um, to round the edges or to uh, leave out parts, the hard parts perhaps. And maybe we want to leave hell out of it or as as we say a particular sin in their life maybe we want to just brush over that. Um, But let's not forget that the gospel is God's grace. Um, This verse in Romans 1.16 says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. The gospel has the power to save everyone. Millions of people have been saved by the gospel by believing in it, and people, by grace, will continue to be saved by the gospel. So let's believe in that power. Remember its power. We do not need to add anything to it. It's God's word. 
If you do add to the gospel, you're saying one of two things. Either that Jesus hasn't done enough for you, so you want to add something to it. You, 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 you're not relying on God. You're not relying on Jesus. You're, you want to add something else to that because you don't think that Jesus has done enough. Or that your sin isn't, isn't bad enough. That you're like, oh, well, I'll add something to the gospel because my sin's not that bad, you know? Um, and for Paul, this is an issue. So there's no exceptions uh, Paul pours himself into the church, and the people of the church um, in in this church, it's it's a big issue to let for him to let it slide. So the heartache that he feels from seeing um, this church start to go astray from the true gospel, it's too much for him, and that's why he tries to get across the seriousness of it. And we see that as we look down at verse eight here. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. The curse that he talks of here is the same word that's used back in the book of Joshua in the Greek translations of the Bible when the Israelites defeated the city of Jericho. And before they do that, Joshua says to the Israelites in uh, Joshua 6, 18 and 19, Watch yourselves in the city under holy curse. Be careful that you don't covet anything in it and take something that's cursed, endangering the camp of Israel with the curse and making trouble for everyone. And that happens. Someone does that and Israel lose the next battle because... They are under this curse. And as it works out, there's a guy called Achan from the tribe of Judah. He brings the curse on them. And when, he finds, uh, when he's found out, sorry, he says this in verse 20 and 21. Achan answered Joshua, It's true, I sinned against God, the God of Israel. This is how I did it. In the plunder I spotted a beautiful shinar robe, 200 shekels of silver and 50 shekel bar of gold, and I coveted them and took them, and they're buried in my tent with the silver at the bottom. So what God, God warned them about actually happened, and Acham was killed for bringing the curse on Israel. This is a curse which God's anger burns against those who bring it on themselves. And Paul, who cares deeply about this church in Galatia, is trying to show them how serious the false gospel is. There are no exceptions. Even if an angel, a celestial being, known for bringing messages to God, even if someone that we would be amazed to see comes along and they bring a different message than the message of the gospel he, we preached, don't listen. And not only that, but even if it's Paul himself who comes and tells you another gospel, don't listen because it's not the gospel. And it's serious enough to be under God's curse. He's saying we have the original and best. You don't need anything else. So under no circumstances are they to listen to anyone else. And for those who try to change uh, God's message of salvation... There is no mercy. 
you might think Paul is being a bit harsh here in his response. But he wants the Galatians to see how serious this is. He wishes this on anyone who purposely tries to lead others astray from the truth. And he's not using double standards either. Because he includes himself here. He says if he should change the gospel, that he's under this curse. This is how much Paul is trying to stress that they have the real good news. It's also important to note that the curse which Paul talks of is actually defeated in the true gospel by Christ when he takes it on himself. And what I mean is this, God's holy anger, which is the fearful nature of this curse, is pacified by himself on the cross. So although Paul wishes this on anyone who would lead God's people astray, there is still mercy for them if they accept the true gospel and come back into Christ's grace. The Lord is good and his message is unchanging, just like his character. Here's a quote from John Stott. It's impossible to forsake the gospel without forsaking him. It's impossible to forsake the gospel without forsaking God. I don't know about you, but it's nice to be liked by other people, isn't it? I mean, we all naturally want to be thought well of as people. Um, And when we speak to others, we say nice things to them and and encourage them and say things which they want to hear usually because we usually expect them to say nice things back to us. It's kind of how the civilized world still uh, communicates, especially within the Christian church. Um, Maybe not so outside. But I don't know if you've ever had to say something difficult or hard to somebody, have a conversation that's not easy, Um, And Paul knows that even though in love he has to say some difficult things to the Galatians, he doesn't let that distract him from putting God first and the Galatians second and himself third in his life. And we can see that as we look at verse 10. He says, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Is it out of love that he tells them to hang on to the gospel And by doing this, some people are bound to dislike him for his bluntness. But in doing this, he's actually putting them before himself. Because he's putting God's word and their salvation, the salvation of others, before what people think of him. Imagine if Paul had a Facebook profile that he updates. I don't think that... He'd get many likes, and I don't think he'd have many friends online. Um, In fact, I think most of his uh, posts would probably get banned um, or reported. But Paul isn't trying to please men. He's an apostle sent by Jesus. He knows that there is no gray area with the gospel. It's very straightforward. Either you add things to the gospel and you sugarcoat it, or you tell it as it is. That's it. That's all. So, when it comes to the difficult parts about the gospel and all the amazing parts again as well, you're either under God's grace 
um, and Jesus takes that curse for you, or you're under God's curse. Um, Paul isn't distracted by what people think of him. One modern-day example of this um, could be of, of an a altered gospel could be prosperity gospel, where people want to believe that if they live a Christian life, everything will go well for them. That they're guaranteed to be rich, that they'll have a trouble-free life, and that everything will be great if they follow God. They think that they can earn God's blessing by donating maybe lots of money to the church, or people running these types of prosperity churches, uh, they're not trying to please God, but they're actually wanting to please man so they can gain more. And our salvation is by God's grace. It's not something that we can earn um, with money or good works or with penance or by carrying out traditions. So we need to believe that, and we need to do things, um, and we need, sorry, we need to not do things that add to the gospel. I want you, uh, I want to challenge you this morning on how you will live your life. Um, what gospel will you tell to others? How will you counsel your Christian friends? Will you stay true to the gospel? Or are you in danger of adding to it in some way today? In summary, don't be like the Judaizers who make additions to the gospel and compromise the gospel. And don't be like the Galatians who desert the gospel, but be like Paul who lives the gospel and seeks to make that known to others. There's no other gospel by which we should live.